This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What is up, Husker fans? This is the Varsity Club Podcast. Derek here. I've got Greg Smith joining me today. If you missed the last episode, I had superstar picture guy Paul Bellinger on the pod to talk about the 2018 Hale Varsity yearbook photo shoot. If you want to listen to that, the podcast is also now on iTunes, meaning it should be on most other places that you listen to podcasts. It's also on Pocket Cast, if that's your cup of tea. Um, we're everywhere, basically. Today we're breaking down the recruiting week that was for Nebraska and what happens from here. Um, we'll preview the non-conference schedule, and we're also going to talk a little LeBron and KD because I have some takes on that. Um, Greg, buddy. Welcome in. How are you, man? Uh, thank you. Um, I'm good. Uh, busy. There, there's a lot happening this week, and I'm happy about that. Uh, as Nebraska st- definitely started June off with a bang. Yeah, and there's going to be even more happening next week. We've got the the coaching tour, the two day thing that they're doing on Monday and Tuesday, and then we got Friday Night Lights on Friday. Uh, it's camp season. Camp season is definitely here, and these guys are definitely getting after it. Um, I don't know when they have time to sleep, but they are definitely all over the place and really grinding to find guys. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a uh, do you have a spicy NBA Finals take? Not really. Like I don't know. Like this, none of none of the stuff going on in this series, whether it be like them having another rematch, um, who's going to win it, like LeBron's pending leaving, like none of that like really bothers me or gets me all that fired up. So no, I, I've just been kind of sitting back and enjoying everything that's gone on. I think it's really interesting. I've started to see more and more over the last couple of days, uh, players around the league and just personnel around the league starting to develop this sentiment that okay Kevin you wanted to win some rings you wanted some validation from your peers you've got that you're about to have two rings go someplace else and prove you can do it someplace else on your own uh and that's really interesting to me because I'm for one I'm shocked that we've reached that point where other players are like dude it shouldn't be this easy um and two I'm interested to see because Kevin is so (laughs) I mean, he's so uh, aware and worried about, yeah, worried about whatever everybody else is saying about him. I'm curious if that has any impact. I mean, I, saw, I read something just this morning from um, Sports Illustrated that uh, it might be time for Kevin to, to go someplace else and, and try to do it on his own, which is, is a weird development. Go ahead. That is so strange. That's sorry. That's so strange to me. Like, I honest to goodness, if I was Kevin Durant and I'm not, I don't, I'm not wired like he is because he's a lot, he's like we said, he's very sensitive and very aware. Um, so I think we're wired differently. But if I were him, this would make me just want to essentially give the double bird to everybody and stay in Golden State, like keep all of this together and keep wrecking the league. Like this would not make me want to then go to, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what team, like like the Suns, I'm trying to think of a bad team. Like think of like he goes to the Suns and then takes them to a championship. Like that doesn't make me want to do that. It makes me want to continue to rip your hearts out every year. Like I don't, I don't get this. I, I really don't. I don't think the people that are saying that he should go someplace else are like saying you know go to the Memphis Grizzlies and play with 
a team that's in the, the hole and rebuild them. I think they're saying, like, do what every other superstar has normally throughout the course of NBA free agency history done and go to a team that's set up to where you are the missing piece that they need, like a team like Washington. Like, go back to Washington with John Wall and Bradley Beal and try to, to put that team over the hump. Don't – like, I, I just think that Kevin is going to have – like, he's going to win – He's going to win maybe four or five rings if this Golden State team stays together. And at the, when it's all said and done, yeah, he's going to have four or five rings. But everybody's going to say, yeah, well, he rode on the coattails of maybe one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history to get those four or five rings. I, don't, I'm, I am curious to see how we actually treat this after it's all said and done. Um, because, you know, you, you know this because you follow the NBA closely, but I remember when, like, say, when Kobe and Shaq broke up, all of the talk about, and the hatred towards Kobe for breaking that up and them choosing to not give Shaq that Supermax contract. It wasn't called the Supermax then, but basically a Supermax contract um, and, and chose Kobe instead, how he wanted to push Shaq out. Um, I remember when Kobe tried to push, demand that trade to the Bulls when he actually called into an L.A. radio show um, and tried to get a trade to the Bulls. Like, I, that happened, and people act like it didn't happen now because he subsequently went on to win a couple of more championships, and in basketball circles, he's pretty revered. Um, so it, I'm, I'm just curious to see how this actually goes. The same thing with LeBron James um, when all this stuff happened with him in Miami. Uh, but I also do wonder if this time for Kevin Durant is kind of like that time for LeBron James in Miami where, you know, he got it out of his system. He went and formed his big team and won. And then now he has another goal that he knows he has to achieve, which is to go lead a team himself um, or with maybe one other star. So maybe that opens the door for him to return back to OKC like LeBron returned to Cleveland. I don't want him back in OKC. No, he can go. He can go rot in Memphis for all I care. I don't want him in OKC. I, it, <laughs> I think he's different from Kobe, though. Like Kobe, like people don't talk bad about Kobe because Kobe stayed. I mean, yeah, like whether that was whether that stayed, yeah, yeah, he played twenty years with the same franchise, and who else is going to do that? Like you've got Dirk Nowitzki and Tim Duncan doing that, but nobody else. Like I don't think you're you'll ever see that again in this NBA. A guy playing his entire, you know, two decades long career with one team. I don't think you'll ever see that again. Um, is LeBron going to the Lakers? You about to have Bronny in Los Angeles? <laughs> Uh, I certainly hope so. I still maintain, and I've been, I've gotten quieter about this because I just don't feel like arguing with people about it, but I still maintain that that's the best option for him. I don't think that this Houston thing is as, uh, as much of a slam dunk as people say. I feel like people like have completely forgotten that this thing called the salary cap exists. Um, and c considering the fact that Chris Paul al already came out and said he wants the max, like he turned down that $200 million contract from uh, the Clippers so that he could get one in Houston. Like he wants to get that type of contract. So I just don't know how that's going to work. Um, plus, Le LeBron is going to need a destination in which team has the actual salary cap money to bring in another star alongside him and has pieces already on the team that they can either develop or flip for other good players. And I think LA actually gives him the best chance to do that, all bias aside. But I obviously, I absolutely hope that he ends up picking the Lakers. Well, there was a report just Friday morning that uh, I think it was from ESPN that said that Houston is not a realistic destination for LeBron. They're pretty much out. I don't. I don't see him leaving the East, though. That is the thing that kind of. That's the thing that worries me. Um, but then again, like. 
I, I, a, a big part of me thinks that he's not all that concerned about the other teams outside of Golden State, right? Is that as like bad, quote unquote, as we feel about these his supporting cast, um, that he's been close enough to being able to beat Golden State. Remember, a couple of these games have been close, um, especially game one in which they should have won anyway. This last game that happened as well was fairly close until Golden State pulled away at the end. So if he had a little bit more help, I wonder if he doesn't think that he could beat them anyway because he's kind of their kryptonite. So I don't know. It just kind of depends on what his mindset is on that. But staying in the East does allow him to coast a little bit more in the regular season. Yeah, that's a good point. He needed a teammate that remembered the score, and he would have had a one-game-to-nothing lead on them in the finals. Right. Uh, let's move to Nebraska because that's what people are here for. Um, since, since June 1st, Huskers have added five players to either their 2018 football roster or their 2019 recruiting class. It started on the 1st of June with Juco offensive lineman Desmond Bland, uh, and they got a graduate transfer defensive tackle from Utah that same day. Then there was four-star quarterback Luke McCaffrey on the 4th, then a Juco DB for this class on the 5th, and then three-star inside linebacker Jackson Hanna on the 6th. Kind of slowed for the last couple days, but it really kicked off what looks to be an explosive month of Husker recruiting with a bang. Of the three guys that committed to this 19 class, Greg, who surprised you the most? Boy, who surprised? Uh, Desmond Bland surprised me the most. Um, he was a guy that I knew was on Nebraska's radar, um, but I was not aware that he was, you know, on uh, commit watch or was close to making that decision um, and popping for the Huskers. Uh, so that one definitely surprised me, and I also think that it, that is, in the short term, the most impactful. Um, recruit that they picked up this week because of the three guys that are in that 19 class um, with him, Jackson Hanna, and Luke McCaffrey, uh, I think that Desmond Bland will be the guy that sees the field the earliest and is, and is the, the biggest position of need right away. Um, but no, that definitely surprised me. How do you feel about McCaffrey being the, the 2019 quarterback? Because you've, you've gone on record saying that they're only going to take one quarterback, and now that guy is Luke McCaffrey. He hasn't I mean, he has yet to start for his high school team. He doesn't have the gaudy stats of, of typical high school quarterbacks that have the kind of the pedigree and the national standing that he has. How do you feel about him being their quarterback in this class? Um, I think that he is a great fit for what they're trying to do on offense because he's a super athlete. Um, and I think that there's a way to, and I don't want to say spin, but that's what it sounds like. The fact that he hasn't been his, his team's full-time starting quarterback yet is if you look, he sat behind his five-star brother, who Dylan, who is at Michigan now. He sat behind another yep. uh, Division One quarterback um, that's at Colorado right now. So I think that if you look at that and combine with the fact that he also, they got him on the field, right? Like it wasn't as if they just let him sit in mothballs while that was going on. Like he was on the field and he was very effective as a wide receiver running back safety and a special teams player um, so I, I feel like th that athleticism will definitely translate well but also they're going to have to work with him for a little bit to get him his mechanics and footwork right because he has the tools but you got to get that stuff corrected but hey they've got time to get that corrected because you're either going to have a true freshman quarterback or a redshirt freshman quarterback this season that he's going to end up probably taking a redshirt next year and you've got Noah Vedral in the mix um, so he should take a redshirt have some time to develop um, and I'm with him being the guy I still I think that there were 
better quarterbacks on the board, um, but I don't think that necessarily all of those guys were realistic and really wanted to come to Nebraska um, for and mostly distance, um, especially when you think about Jaden Daniels and John Race Plumley, Daniels from California, Race Plumley um, from Mississippi. Um, so I thought they did very well for themselves with McCaffrey, and you see the effect that he's having with some of these Colorado recruits as well. Yeah, for sure. And there's a bunch of Colorado guys on the team already that that have a relationship with him, and we're pretty excited. Let's talk about a guy who didn't join the party, um, and that's Marcus Hicks. As of Friday morning, Hicks uh, officially committed to Oklahoma. You've got it on good authority that he was pretty high on Nebraska's board. Is that a big loss for Big Red? Yeah, uh, it's it's tough to minimize that one. Um, he is a guy, and I've had him very high on my Greg's guys list. I know he's high on Nebraska's board. Um, he's a guy that he he's a four-star defensive end, great size. Um, I question whether or not he's going to actually grow into that outside linebacker that Nebraska wanted him to play. I think he is better suited maybe for that defensive end, though I think he's plenty athletic to get by at outside linebacker. Um, I'm unclear whether or not Oklahoma was one of the teams also wanting to convert him to outside linebacker or if they'll just let him play defensive end. Um, but no, that's a, that's a big loss for Nebraska. But I always got the sense, and I've written this before, that his dad loved loves Nebraska, right? Kelvin Hicks, his father, really loves Nebraska and always went out of his way to mention them when I've spoken with him about Marcus's recruitment. But Marcus never mentioned Nebraska in the same loving ways that his dad did, right? His talk was always about Oklahoma. It always seemed like things were heading that way. Um, and he went ahead and made things official um, today. The good thing about that, though, is that there's no real games to be played here. They're not going to, you know, go through the motions with officials and all of that um, unless there's like a surprise situation. So Nebraska can then shift their focus to other guys at that rush in outside linebacker spot that they can um, land and bring on to the team. That Nebraska OU series that kicks off in 2021-22, in it just got, you tweeted that this morning, it, it got more interesting. And I agree with you, but I think, uh, I, I would think Nebraska's got to start winning some of these battles in recruiting, right? I mean, that's, that's two high-profile guys you've lost to the Sooners in just the last five-ish months. Um, if, if Frosty gets Nebraska up and running and Lincoln stays in Norman, um, which some people don't necessarily see as a foregone conclusion, those two programs, to me at least, look almost interchangeable from a recruitment standpoint in the sense that they've both, they're both steeped in tradition. They're both in locations where the football team is everything. So from there, it's about style, it's about coaching, and it's about the other stuff. If Frost is winning, um, suddenly the rust on all that Husker gold disappears. And I think you can sell. Uh, I think you can sell that much better because the pitch isn't look what we used to do. It's now you know look what we always do. Um, do you see Oklahoma being a school that the Huskers are going to continue to kind of go up against on the recruiting trail? Yes, um, because the Nebraska staff seemingly wants to put an emphasis on recruiting the state of Oklahoma. Um, so and the state of Texas. So you know that, uh, that Oklahoma recruits Texas very well, um, and I'm sure they just love to mention that to their friends in Austin too. So yeah, I think that they're definitely going um, to continue to butt heads with Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. And I think you're 100% right that they do need Nebraska does need to start winning some of these battles. Um, but I think that that will be more of a realistic situation once Nebraska starts winning on the 
the field um, because you're just going to, it's hard. I, and I totally agree that I think that they pro, the schools profile very similarly, um, but one is winning and one is not. Like that's, I feel like Oklahoma really to me is a team that Nebraska fans really need to look at and say, man, if we can get this thing rolling, that's the school that we can be. And it's, by the way, you know, that's the school that they used to always battle with on the field. So it's a lot of familiarity there. But yeah, I definitely um, think that that will continue to be a thing throughout the Scott Frost era. I just want OU and OSU to move to the Big Ten. I mean, it'll, ne- it'll never happen because of the academic side of things, but I just want that to happen. I would love for that to happen. So who's next uh, for the 2019 class? Um, I, I still think that, well, there's two guys um, that I feel like are, are right there on the, on the edge of committing. Um, I've got predictions in for Tony Fair, defensive tackle out of Pima Community College out in Arizona. Um, he was supposed to commit almost two weeks ago now, um, and there's been a little bit of a delay there, whether it's with his commitment video or the fact that Nebraska has added to their defensive line um, room within the last week, but I'm still hearing that he's leaning towards the Huskers. Um, big nose tackle that Nebraska needs to get into the mix that would be in the 2019 class. And another 2019 uh, commit, uh, offensive lineman Matthew Anderson, who had been off the radar. And I think I was one of the first people to talk to him um, because he was so so far off the radar, he didn't have any power five offers. Um, he's from Louisiana, a place that Nebraska just doesn't recruit very often. But he's 6'6", 250, um, and Nebraska loves him. Like They absolutely are falling in love with this kid, and they have him high on their board. Um, and we've seen enough already to know that if Nebraska likes somebody, they don't care at all where they're ranked or who's after them. They'll try to get after them and get them first. Um, so those are two guys that I definitely think are on the radar that should pop sooner than later. Interesting. Yeah, we've been waiting for that fair one for a while. Well, um, class is up to eight guys now. We still got Friday Night Lights uh, exactly a week from today recording this podcast. Uh, so more, I think, are probably coming. Um, the 19 class is at number 29 nationally, according to 247's team rankings, uh, and they're number nine in the conference. I didn't think it was going to be that low before I checked, and it is. They're below Iowa, Northwestern, and Minnesota. Um, does that worry you at all? No, I think they're catching all. I would not be surprised if they don't catch all three of those schools you just mentioned by the end of the month. Like, I think that when you look at it, if up the top of my head here, Nebraska is at, you were there at eight, right? Um, and I think that all of those schools are in the double digits. And for sure, they're all have more or double digits in commits and for sure all have more um, commits than Nebraska. Once Nebraska um, catches up, with the number of commits, I think they'll pass those schools because their average star ranking um, will probably be a little bit higher. Where, where do you think this class finishes? I Okay, so can I make a bold prediction? Yeah, <laughs> about go for that? it. I think that Nebraska will, again, finish with the best class in the Big Ten West. I think that they'll still be behind Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Um, as far as the conference goes, but I think they're going to eventually catch Wisconsin, who raced off to this huge lead, right? They were the number one class in the conference for a little bit there. There was a little stretch in time, and then Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State have been on a roll, particularly Penn State has been on fire lately. Um, But Wisconsin has lost a couple of those kids. I still think that the 
four-star uh, quarterback that Wisconsin has, Graham Mertz, um, I believe from Kansas, um, will end up not at Wisconsin. I think he'll be at another school when it's all said and done, um, and that'll ding them as well. But I think Nebraska will catch Wisconsin um, and end up having the best class in the West this year. These rankings also don't really matter much until you get to December, I don't think. No, but That is a bold you, prediction. You, yeah, because you also, and part of that also is, is that I have a belief that Nebraska's, a lot of players on Nebraska's commit list right now, I think are going to get bumps um, in ratings. And I, and I actually think even a couple of guys that are fairly highly rated, like Luke McCaffrey is a four-star player, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a high four-star quarterback by the time it ends up being done, because if he's a four-star now without having been a full-time starter, what happens if he goes out and has a huge year? Um, Ramir Johnson, the high three-star running back, um, same boat. He has not been the full-time starter. Um, he's got track speed, perfect fit uh, for Ryan Held and Scott Frost and Troy Walters. I think he could blow up and have a big year as well. Well, um, and get a bump. Thomas Grayson a lot the same way as, and the same with a couple of the in-state guys, Garrett Nelson and Garrett Snodgrass. I think they could be in for bumps. Um, Snodgrass in particular has done really well on the camp circuit this year. So I think Nebraska has done a good job of evaluating guys early, and again, that's what I think this staff needs to hang their hat on. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they catch Wisconsin. Let's shift gears a little bit and uh, look ahead to the football season. Um, yep. We got the, the email for the Big Ten Media Days, and that means football is coming up um, in, our, in our football yearbook. It's going off to the presses on Sunday. We've got sections in at the end previewing each position, uh, each position group for the Huskers in 2018. Jacob did an awesome job with those. And then uh, previews for every Big Ten team and non-conference team on the Huskers' upcoming schedule. Um, we're going to spend the rest of this pod and then the next – two uh, after this one talking non-conference west and east opponents greg when you look at the non-conference schedule what's the first thing that immediately jumps out to you um that none of the games are complete gimmies um but none of them are so tough that you know you should expect nebraska to lose any of them which means to me that nebraska should get a couple of good tests early on in the season um, to get some different looks so that they get ready for conference season because that conference schedule especially on the road is really tough um, so yeah, that, that's what jumps out to me, that it's challenging enough to give them a little bit of different looks and a little challenge, but not so much that we should be picking them to lose these games. Yeah, because that first conference game, uh, September, what is it, 22nd. 22nd or something like that? Yeah, they go on the road at Michigan, um, and that's a, that's, that's a really, really tough test for your first conference game and your first road game, so that's a really good point. The, the non-conference is, is set up pretty nicely to, to get them ready for that. Um, let's run down those teams. Um, Akron's up first on September 1st. They went 6-6 six and six last year. Weren't very good running the football, um, but they'll turn, it, turn the keys of the offense over to Cato Nelson and his dual threat ability this year. Um, the defense wasn't good at stopping the run, but it was really good at forcing turnovers and making teams drive. They were second in their conference last year in defensive yards per point, despite not being great at limiting explosive plays. Um, and that's kind of an interesting, interesting stat in itself. On September 8th is Colorado. Uh, the Buffaloes, Buffaloes went 5-7 and seven last year, but quarterback Steven Montez uh, is back for another year, and he's another year older. He should be another year better. Um, he threw for the third most passing yards in a single season in school history last year, um, and when he was smart with the football, they were, they were almost unbeatable. They were 4-1 and one when his completion rate was over 60%. Um, the defense was really good defending the pass and creating turnovers, um, and seven guys returned to that unit. On September 15th, 
Troy comes to town. Um, and Greg, I don't know like how you feel about the kind of the Mac and the Mountain West teams, but when I think of like Troy, I think of those games that you schedule on September, like on on NCAA fourteen, where you pick like the lower level conference teams instead of the FCS opponents, so that you can still get a cupcake, but you don't hurt your your strength of schedule too much. That's not Troy. <laughs> These guys went eleven and two last year. Uh, because they were just really efficient with the football on offense, um, and just they were really, really good uh, stopping the run on defense. Um, Troy ranked third in the country in rushing yards per play last year, which is just insane. Um, the top five guys on that defense are all back, and they've got a guy in in Hunter Reese. It's their all of, all conference edge rusher. Um, he to me he kind of feels like Sutton Smith of this season for Nebraska opponents, just in the sense that he's one of the guys that's. I mean, you're not going to be scared by his team, um, but then when you get him on the field, it's like, oh, this guy can ball. Um, who scares you the most of that group? Man, I, I, I would probably Colorado, um, just because they had a tougher season last year, but two years ago they were pretty good, um, and I feel like they'll get up the most for that game um because it'll be and, and plus i feel like it'll be in a way like it sounds weird because they're not a great team so to call like they call this a trap game um especially considering it's not a great opponent that next week um seems weird but what i mean is is that first game against akron night game first regular season game in the scott frost era like it's going to be insane in memorial stadium so then to come back that next week against what used to be a rival and we keep hearing from people saying that they're not that fired up for the colorado game we'll see if that changes um, but let's see if the crowd maybe is a little sleepy for a 2.30 kickoff. Um, maybe the team doesn't take them as seriously. We'll see. I think that Colorado game is the one that kind of worries me the most, not necessarily because they're good, just from a psychological standpoint. I tell you what, they better be ready for that Colorado game, not because I think Colorado is going to like you know jump out all over them if they're not fired up to go, but that game's on ABC. They weren't on ABC at all last year. Like, they weren't on national television much last year. If their first game in front of a major national audience under Scott Frost, they come out and they're like, yeah, it's so-so against a team that, I mean, like, regardless of how they personally feel about it, like, this game is going to be billed as, like, the rebirth of a rivalry just because of narratives and things like that. And if they come out slow, like, that's not a good look uh, to have on <laughs> on ABC in a midday game when everybody's going to be watching. No, but I also think, you know, as you were saying that, it made me think, too, um, a lot of these coaches that are on the staff, Scott Frost included, um, when they were here, that Colorado rivalry was a big deal. So I wonder exactly. if, that, if that will end up being a benefit to Nebraska um, and that those guys will be able to kind of tell these guys, hey, this is a big deal. You need to get up. Here's my war story of going to Boulder um, and having them throw batteries at us or whatever. I just assume that Colorado fans did something crazy like that because that's what they do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so no, I, I definitely think that could end up being an advantage, too. That's what I was just about to bring up, too, because, I mean, if there was if it was any other coaching staff here, you'd have a coaching staff that wasn't around when Colorado and Nebraska were a thing, and you'd have players that weren't really around when Colorado and Nebraska were a thing. Um, so I feel like having Scott kind of at the controls will help be like, hey, this is, this is a game that you should be up for. This is a game that we want to win. We don't want to lose to these guys. Are you worried about Troy? No, no, not really. 
<laughs> no. I feel like these games, like, it's, it's interesting. And this, maybe this is a complete, I'll, I'll admit it, it's a complete Scott Frost effect. Whereas over the last few years, it feels like these games against Troy and Arkansas State or Akron um, are ones that it feels like Nebraska would struggle their way through. I feel like starting this year, you will see Nebraska start to put it on some of these lesser opponents, right? Um, and I think that that's a, a sign of where things could be going. And I'd be, I don't want to say worried, but I'd have a little pause um, if Nebraska struggles through a couple of those games in which they should be able to just out-talent them. And considering, I I feel like in the vast majority of the games that Nebraska plays um, starting this year, that they will have a distinct coaching advantage um, over their opponent. And I don't know if we can quantify yet what that's going to do for these games as well. I agree with everything you just said, but I am worried about Troy just because like they're they're going to be replacing a four-year starter at quarterback, and that's not something you want when you're you know, going into Memorial Stadium. But that'll be the third game. They'll have the first two. I was looking at their schedule earlier, and it's, it's difficult. They play another like Power 5 team. I just can't remember what that team is on the, off the top of my head right now. Um, but the thing that worries me about that game is that immediately following that game, they've got Michigan. That feels like a game where you're just not – you know, you're not, it's Troy. Like, you're not looking, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, you've got Colorado, and then you've got Troy, and then you've got Michigan. You're like, okay, we're we're up for the opener, uh, then we get up for Colorado, and then we've got, okay, we've got this, what should be an easy win for us, or a win for us, market, Sharpie, and then we've got Michigan. That game just feels like a game where they get overlooked a little bit, and Troy... Uh, is more talented than expected and causes some problems, which would not be good. Like, I don't think they're going to lose. Like, I think they're going to go 3-0 and in the non-conference. Um, but I, I am worried about that game. How do you feel about – what? give me a record prediction for the non-conference schedule. Um, I think they'll be 3-0. and um, I think that the Colorado game – um, will be the closest uh, of the three games, but I do think that they come out of that three and zero. And frankly, they have to. Like they've got to come out of that three and zero because I, you've got to get some wins in the bank if you if you want to be able to be bowl eligible this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because that means that they can go three and six in conference, like everybody's predicting, and still make a bowl game. Are any of those games particularly close? Um, the Colorado one, maybe in the beginning, and then I think they pull away. Nebraska pulls away in the end. Alrighty, that'd be fun. I think people would enjoy that. What do you got going on this week, Greg? Oh, we'll continue uh, tracking guys down. Um, as we've got plenty of uh, visitors coming through with these different individual camps um, and what have you. There's there's plenty of new offers going out to get caught up on as well. As it feels like um, every day, there's a good amount, especially with them being with them seeing new guys at the satellite camps and all of that. Um, so staying on top of that and making sure we keep you guys updated on the latest news there. Absolutely. And uh, the yearbook's going out on Sunday. Make sure that you are subscribing to that. Podcast is on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to that. Greg Smith has Big Red Recon posted on site before recording this podcast. He's an overachiever today, so make sure you're reading that and keep it with Hale Varsity throughout the weekend. We'll be back next week uh, with a normal podcast schedule. We won't do two next week, just one. And until then, thanks, guys.